2: what is up my friends how's everyone doing hope you're out there having a great day having a great week crushing it as usual it's a wonderful day the sun is shining it's a beautiful time and welcome to the MMA fighting ranking show let me be the first one to wish you guys a happy and wonderful November I hope October just treated you beautifully my name is Sean Oshadi and thank you once again for starting your month here with us I'm joined by the nicest man in MMA he's the Prince of Positivity Alexander K. Lee and AK, we are here again, my man. October's in the books. Perhaps our busiest month so far in rankings in terms of rankings movement since we started doing this in the summer. How are you feeling?
3: Look, I, I'm not the nicest man in MMA. I, 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 listen, the nicest man in MMA, I think, just became the UFC light heavyweight champion. So I'm still riding that high, Sean. I mean, I don't know the man personally. By all accounts, Glover Teixeira, one of the nicest most decent men in, in, in this sport of ours, which is not always filled with, uh, reputable characters to put it nicely. But even if you don't know him personally, I think we're all aware of his professional journey and the way he's carried himself in the public eye. And it's just a wonderful story to see him in. So I'm still on that high. I'm feeling good. I imagine a lot of people are, and, and I, I hope that's pushed people to get through their, their Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. Uh, and, and I'm glad, uh, if not, I'm glad we're here, Sean, to maybe help them get them the rest of the way to uh, this next weekend's big card.
2: I love it. The feel-good vibes continue, man. I mean, I, I had said it in my post-fight column, but Glover Teixeira to me, is now the number two feel-good story, basically, of the last, like, decade in, in this sport. But obviously, Michael Bisping will always have number one, but Glover Teixeira number two for me. And it's going to be hard for somebody to take that from him. That was incredible, what we saw on Saturday. But let's dive into it, man. So, so quick preamble before we get started. This is our once-a-month look. At the MMA Fighting Global Rankings, first Wednesday of every month, our little chance to inject some transparency into the process, talk some stuff out, settle some grievances. You know how it goes. Really just let you inside, let you know what we're thinking with some of these decisions. Uh, And later on in the show, AK, we are going to be joined, as always, by two of our esteemed fellow ranking panelists. This week, we're welcoming in uh, Damon Martin once again and Jed Mishu as well. We're going to be hitting the biggest debates we had internally as a team over this last ranking cycle. It's going to get a little spicy, probably. Some people's feelings might be getting hurt, but that happens uh, on this show. First, AK, though. Let's go a couple quick rounds here. You and I, as we do three rounds, hitting the biggest movers and shakers of October. And let's start here. Incredibly busy month at the top levels of the sport for us. I mean, 23 ranked fighters competing in total over the course of October. So among all of that chaos, AK, I throw it to you. What was the most meaningful or important result of the last month in your eyes? Well, I mean, I want to say it's the Teixeira win,
3: but that's only when viewed sort of in the lens of everything else that happened in light heavyweight. So it's kind of a tie because they're related. Uh, Teixeira, you know, a Glover Teixeira beating to become the UFC champion, but also Corey Anderson beating Ryan Bader in the in the uh, Bellator heavyweight uh, light, excuse me Bellator light heavyweight world Grand Prix semifinals and Vadim Demkov winning as well. But the but the Anderson one raises a lot of. Kind of raised a lot of questions, uh, and which are which are only amplified by this past weekend's result because uh, Corey Anderson again maybe the number one guy in Bellator right now he's not the champion he's going to face Nemkov we'll find out Clover Deshera is the, is by uh, if we're going by belts the number one guy in the UFC Corey Anderson has beaten Clover Deshera. Uh Corey Anderson has beaten Jan Blachowicz. Uh he did lose the rematch by first round knockout but that's that's convincing wins over two of the the t- top two names in the UFC John Jones is out of the picture. And, and I think it's important to mention that, too, because light heavyweight has kind of sneakily been this uh, division that I think has gotten better over the last couple of years. Uh, I think it, it was it was on a down note for a while with John Jones so dominant on top for so long and some of the contenders kind of not reaching their potential. But now I feel like it's moving again. And I think that all came to a head uh, in October. I think we saw a real shift and that will be reflected, Sean, and I think in our top five when people see who's number one. Uh, who's tied at number two. I don't know if you if you want to break this all down. And then, of course, and uh, the Bellator gentlemen who are uh, rounding out the top five. But uh, it's, it's very cool to see. I don't think people have been talking about Light Heavyweight for a while, but this, they certainly are now. And I think the conversation is steering in a way that uh, one Mr. Scott Coker is very enthusiastic about.
2: Absolutely. I mean, we're going to talk about, we're going to get into this topic uh, a lot more later on with Jed and Damon. But mm-hmm. you're right, Light Heavyweight right now is such a fascinating division for me. Because for so long, like you said, it was sort of this, I don't know if stagnant is the right word, but it was this very predictable division where either you had John Jones or Daniel Cormier at the top, depending on John Jones' eligibility status at the time. (laughs) That was basically what it was, right? Like, there wasn't much mystery at all to it. Uh, At (laughs) any given time, you knew exactly who the best light heavyweight in the world was. And now, I think there's real debate to be had there. I mean, what Glover accomplished is utterly ridiculous it's incredible i'm not going to take a single thing away from it but he's very much a champion like i said in the bisbing mold where this is sort of like a late career magic he kind of catches fire at the right right place right time catches the right matchups on the way up the right opportunities and he's able to really rewrite his story at the end of this career in a way that no one expected so sure he is the ufc champion glover sure is absolutely the ufc champion and he deserves to be he gets that title forever now no one can ever take that away from him but the thing for for us when it comes to rankings and all of this, this side of the world is a 42 year old Glover to share really the undeniable best light heavyweight on the planet right now. I don't know. I don't know if he is. I mean, I, I think are there two or three matchups straight away in the division where you could probably if you threw them together, Glover's probably the betting underdog against his challenger. Absolutely. And would you be? I mean, would you be surprised if any of that like foursome? Beneath them, of Yuri Prohaska, Alexander Rakic, Dean Nemkov, Corey Anderson, any of them were favored to beat him in a fight tomorrow. Because I wouldn't, and to me, AK, I love that. I find that sort of dynamic so fun.
3: Yeah, if if only if only cross motion could finally happen, and we could see an Anderson to share a rematch, or, uh, or or again uh, Anderson versus uh, Yuri Prohaska, kind of see where they sit on things. Because like you mentioned, Yuri is uh, in some people's eyes, uh, including a couple of our panelists, the uncrowned. Uh, champion of the UFC, he just he just needs to get that title shot, and people seem to be pretty confident he's going to take that thing right out of uh, out of Glover to share his hands. I mean, if that matchup eventually gets made, Yuri's going to be close to a three to one favorite. I really, I, maybe I'm being conservative. Three to
2: one, wow, you think? I-
3: I think that it might open around there and honestly it might move even further in his direction. Like I, I, I feel like three to one might be low. That's how, that's how high people view uh, uh, uni and rightfully so great fighter has looked awesome in the UFC before the UFC, very strong resume, a lot of finishes, super long win streak. He has all the makings of a guy that really just needs his shot to get the belt and he's going to take it. Um, and, and I know it sounds like I'm disrespecting Glover, but I'm just saying that's, what the narrative is going to be for a lot of fans, a lot of people in the media uh, heading into that uh, presumed matchup if that, if that gets made next year. So um, yeah, it's, it's just, it is fun to be able to have this conversation though. And I mentioned Scott Coker before he has yes. said definitively, yes. I mean, he started this conversation like last year, I think. And now he said definitively he said, look, whoever wins the grand Prix, this is the best light heavyweight in the world. And I wish the Bellator marketing machine was just a little more powerful and the show was available in just a few more homes. Cause I do feel like, you, he could really make something out of this. Like this should. I wish McKee Pitbull was bigger. I wish this fight was bigger because these things have real implications as to potentially who is the best in their division.
2: I, I'm right there with you in terms of the Bellator marketing machine because if you're Scott Coker and you're that promotion, this is it, right? Like this is your moment as a promoter. You have to use this opportunity right now to shout from the rooftops, right? Like Corey Anderson. We talked about it going into UFC two sixty seven, but he was two and one in three fights against those two men in that main event. And the last light heavyweight to defeat Glover Teixeira, you already know, it was Corey Anderson. And it's not like that was long ago. Like that was a no. couple years ago. The fight wasn't close. He was a top five light heavyweight. When he left the UFC, he has done nothing but destroyed every man put in front of him since arriving in Bellator. It honestly doesn't get much better than this, AK. Like for a non UFC promotion to have this good of a claim or this good of a case at making a claim for having the best fighter in a given division under their roof it's a rare thing. I feel like this is about as good of you as it gets when it comes to just having the ability to make that claim.
3: Yeah. Uh, look, not just that. Like this is it, it's a shame that uh, I think I feel like, you know, Bellator viewership numbers are not exactly wowing people, not exactly blowing people off the page because we now have legitimate cases that uh, if things trend, keep trending the right way for Bellator, they could have not just the best light heavyweight, they could have the best featherweight. And again, I, I, am I the one to make that argument? No, but I'm also very UFC centric. I, I am admittedly someone who I still see UFC as having the eighty, you know, eighty percent, if not more, of the best fighters in the world. But that twenty percent is very that other twenty percent is very real, and some of that twenty percent is in Bellator. Uh, uh, so I, I would really love to see how things play. Again, McKee, you know, his situation with the company is a little uh, is a little up in the air. We don't know how many how much more he's going to fight for them, unfortunately. But Corey Anderson. They would love to, I think they would love to have him win. Uh, He's obviously an American champion that helps. He's, you know, he's a a little bit easier for him to do interviews with outlets and things like that. And also, he's been so vocal. He's a very good interview lately. So vocal. He's a very good interview lately. He has gone. uh, Vadim Nemkov is kind of like, you know, if he's asked about it, he'll talk about comparisons to the UFC. Corey Anderson, as someone who has fought in the UFC and beaten a lot of UFC guys, is going out of his way to antagonize Jan Blahovic. He was antagonizing Jan Blahovic before the, uh, you know, before UFC 267. He's very happy to say, yeah. I'm the best light heavyweight. We have the best light heavyweights in uh, in Bellator. Uh, I don't care about the UFC. This is this is where the best are, and that's what you want to see in a champion. We've never we've never seen something like that in Bellator.
2: It's hilarious because you wouldn't expect it. But Corey Anderson is the single most polarizing, the single most controversial figure in the entirety <laughs> of the MMA fighting rankings. All Almost. divisions, every division, every whatever. There is no fighter <laughs> with as polarizing as polarizing of oh, a range. Yes. Uh, as that man. And yes. we're going to get into that a lot more later in the show. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. In the wait. second half with uh, Jed and Damon. So in the meantime, let's move on and let's move to round number two. Hamzat Shemayev. That's it. That's the question. Honestly, yeah. like I don't even, what else can you even say, man? I don't that's even, the answer. That's not even, the question. That's
3: a, that's the question
2: and the answer. AK, I don't even understand this, man. Like I I, I tried so hard to not be hyperbolic last year. When all of this was happening, I tried so damn hard to keep some perspective, right? You don't want to be reactionary. You don't want to be the guy who, after a fight, is just like, oh my God, that was one of the most impressive debuts I've ever seen. No one's ever done this. You don't want to be that person. But in this, at this point, Hamzat was, in many ways, the biggest story on a UFC 267 card that was just loaded with big stories. He's 4-0 in the UFC now. He put Li Jinglong to sleep in three minutes when no one in the world has ever finished Lee in less than three rounds he outstruck now his opponents in four UFC fights 254 to 2 in total strikes and 112 to 1 in significant strikes he's outwrestled his opponents 4 to 0 in takedowns <laughs> 11 minutes basically 12 minutes to 0 in control time and he's done all this in two different divisions he's barely been touched in either of them and this to me is the real stat and this is the one that really just freaks me out he has more UFC wins than he does strikes sustained in the UFC. (laughs) And it's like double, right? Like he has four UFC wins and two strikes sustained. That is mind-blowing, man. I don't actually understand what that stat means. No hyperbole. We're looking at one of the best starts to a UFC career ever, of anybody, ever. And AK, to go with that, he debuts this month on the MMA Fighting Rankings as an immediate top 10 fighter. He jumps right in at the number 10 spot. Three of us had him as high as number 10, but everybody had him in that range of 10, 14 Thoughts on Cam- Hamzat, AK. what we're seeing, and did we get this right? How how did nobody catch him with like a random hammer fist
3: from the bottom or something? You Lend know what I mean? Uh, anything. Anything. <laughs> a slap. A, a gentle slap to the chest. A, a Ric Flair chop to the chest. I, yeah, it, that's insane. Uh, it's insane. And yet anyone who's watched all four fights, you're just... If anything, if you watched all four fights, you're like, wait, he got hit twice? When? <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't remember him getting there was one significant strike from like, I think from John Phillips. When? When did John? How Phillips? How significant
2: a, was that strike?
3: <laughs> yeah. Are we being generous with the term significant here? So the reality is even more like crazy than the stats you, you outline. You know, sometimes stats in sports don't tell the story. And uh, this is like, no, if you saw the fights and you saw the stats, you just you just nod your head like, yep,
2: yeah, that's stats what I are telling the whole
3: story. And yeah. Yeah. Confirmed. Science works. Science works in MMA. Uh, But I was with you. I was very like, okay, I need to see after. I mean, John Phillips, Reese McKee, guys who are no longer in the UFC. Um, So it was it was it was cool. All the two wins in 10 days. Fight Island. Uh, It was a good it was good. It was a good gimmick. Great gimmick. Guess the Gerald match matchup. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was still, I, I picked uh, uh, Shamayev to win, but I think I said decision. I'm like, you know, he's gonna, he's got a real, he's test gonna fall now. back to earth. Yeah. yeah, real 185. I think he'll look good. I, I'm a believer in a town, but I think Gerald's tough. He takes him, you know, goes, it goes three good, hard three rounds with him, knocks him out 17 seconds. And I believe I put out like an all caps tweet that was just like, Hamzad is the real deal. Everything, <laughs> everything people said is true. I just lost it. I just lost it, and then it was such a shame that uh, you know COVID nineteen of course happens, and uh, and he was so badly afflicted by you know talking about like coughing up blood and going to the hospital and rumors coming out not from his, I don't think from his camp but some outlets a lot of outlets were saying he was considering retirement. Um, he put out something I remember, and then he deleted it. So I shouldn't say it wasn't it was not coming from him, but yeah. there was some, something very murky uh, uh, coming <clears throat> from his side. But now he's back, and uh, I thought he'd beat uh, Li Liang. I actually did pick first round submission, but it was kind of like a. If I'm all in on the hype, if the hype is real, which I still wasn't sure, I just thought let's go with this as the pick, and the hype was very real. So, uh, yeah, I think we got it right, man. Number ten—that's where I have him. Uh, I'm glad he ended up in that spot. I know uh, a few of us had him at ten. I think that's highest he went, and, and most people were lower. But uh, overall, I don't think anyone's gonna gonna complain about about where he is. Uh, he he he's
2: he's for real. I can't lie. I had to almost hold myself back from not ranking him higher. <laughs> And and I knew it wouldn't have made sense. Right. It's like one of those just like this. There's no justification for this other than just your gut telling you this dude could beat like nine of these people ranked (laughs) ahead of him or something like that. Uh, It's a a really interesting just sort of situation we now have at Welterweight with a lot of really good names. It's a really deep division just all throughout the world across all these different promotions. And we're going to dive into it a little bit later on the show. Talk some Ray Cooper as well. Uh, But in the meantime, let's move on. Round number three. A.K. we don't talk a ton about pound-for-pound pound lists on this show. We do occasionally, but very little for the most part. But with Kayla Harrison, don't really have a choice because that's really the only way you can talk about her when it comes to rankings. Her division doesn't actually exist. Uh, but it has been a busy year for Judah Kayla in 2021, and it's been a busy climb. She's now another four wins in six months, another tournament crown, another million-dollar check, and here she is. She, deb- she debuted in our pound-for-pound pound top 10 for the women in August, and now she climbs her way into the top eight spot. And it's there that she's going to sit while she embarks on what I think is going to be one of the most compelling MMA free agencies we've seen in some time. So I wonder for you, AK, it feels to me as if in many ways the fate of the women's pound for pound list could be decided by what Kayla chooses for this next move. Because she goes to the UFC, she has our number one ranked fighter there, her teammate, Amanda Nunes, just sitting there waiting, massive matchup. Same in Bellator, you have Cyborg, who we have sitting at number four. Huge fight, and then there's the PFL route, which I've said before on different shows, previous shows, that I think Kayla's PFL gig might be actually be the best gig in the entire sport, just overall, like any for anybody. It's as close to as guaranteed of a million dollars per year as you could find in MMA. Least risk, most money, that type of thing. But I do think it's also fair to say that it artificially caps how high Kayla can actually climb in the rankings, right? It gives her a ceiling that if she's just not testing herself against the same level of competition, she can only go so far. So for you, AK, in your mind, is it possible that Kayla holds the fate of the women's pound for pound list in her hands right now? Hold on. Hold on. You said number eight.
3: She's number eight in our pound for pound. Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison. Has never fought for Bellator, never fought for the UFC, is number eight in our pound for pound rankings. Yes, sir. I don't know if, so now I have to ask, does she need to fight in the, like, I agree, there's a ceiling, I don't think, I think without fighting, of course, like you said, uh, without exploring her free agency options and actually signing with a bigger promotion, she can't pass Amanda Nunez, Shevchenko, Namjuna Issa, okay, like this sort of top four, uh, top four, top five, that's kind of locked in there. Here's who she passed this month, Sean. She passed Carla Esparza, the number one contender at 115 pounds in the UFC, and she passed Holly Holm, a former UFC champion who has faced nothing but elite competition pretty much since she's come to the UFC. Kayla Harrison passed those two names without, with wins over Taylor Gardado, Jenna Fabian, Cindy Dandois, and Mariana Morais this year. I, I I do think she, of course, we all want to see her sign, but she still can make some moves up that pound for pound rankings. Clearly, because she just did without fighting in the UFC uh, or the Bellator or somewhere else. That's that's crazy to me.
2: And I, I not even that. But like, if you look at sort of the overall spectrum of R eight panelists, she was as high as number four on, four. on at least one person's list above w- Wiley Zhang, above Rose Nama Yunus, above Jessica and Like, wow, that's. That's a wild claim. I'm not ready to go there. I had her at number nine below Holly Holm and above Carla. But it's just, it's it's getting hard to deny the level of dominance, right?
3: Yeah. You know what's, well, you know what's funny is, and this is a discussion, a, a, for a greater discussion for another time, I think, though. But if we're talking like, if there was a straw weight version of Kale, let's say, you know, that there was a weight version of her with her exact skill set and, and strength, but, you know, could make 115 somehow, I, I probably would favor her in, Most match, even against Rose, I probably would favor that version of 115 pound version of Kayla Harrison. I would favor, I would definitely favor 125 pound Kayla probably over Jessica Andrade. So it's, it's almost like, and again, I'm fine with where we have her. I think eight is maybe the right number now. I'm I'm still shocked that she's over like some really established names. This is crazy. When people see the full list, they're going to be like, it's going to look weird when they look at it. And then when they think about it, depending on their definition of pound for pound, Sean, it might make more sense than it than it sounds. It might make more sense than it sounds. That, But that's still, I'm just looking, I'm looking at it right now and it looks strange to me.
2: It, I think it speaks to how important this free agency is because it's frankly mm-hmm. impressive that someone could get that high on a pound for pound list without fighting that level of competition, right? Because I can't think of many examples in other organizations of someone even being able to break into a top 10 like that or get to a number eight spot without having those names on the resume, It's a very unique thing that Kayla's doing right now, and she's doing it really well. She's about to make a lot of money, and she's already made a lot of money.
3: Yeah. uh, Again, like you said, it's, it's, this is, you know, there's, there's multiple ways to rise up the rankings. It could be one big win, it could be compiling wins against top 10, top 15 competition, or it could be dominating your level of competition to such a degree that people cannot deny that you deserve to be ranked higher. So that is where Kayla Harrison is now. She is, and doing so again in a division that really does not exist, I want to say in North America, really in the world. I don't think there's any promotion in the world that's consistently having 155-pound women's fights. So PFL had to make this, uh, and again bring in competition so again some names who from other divisions: Cindy Dandoi, I think, is known. The rest of Pacheco, of course, fought in the UFC. Um, Jennifer Fabian is a kickboxer, I think. So. Uh, Sarah Kaufman was one. They wanted to fight her. It didn't work out. Uh, credit to Larissa Pacheco for sort of derailing that. But they created a division for her. And frankly, Cyborg was a similar story coming up through Strikeforce. If you want to look back, now, her competition was definitely better. But, I mean, there was fighters there at 145. Again, 135ers that were, had come up. So she, if Cyborg could be the number one uh, pound-for-pound women's fighter for so long, uh, never having fought in the UFC, those, again, force, you know, equivalent competition... I don't know. I, I do wonder how high Harrison go if she just says, screw it. I'm going back to PFL for another million dollars. Uh, and depending how the rest of the division shakes out, of course.
2: Huh. Quickly, before we open the the floor to a group discussion. Oh, Lord. One word answer. This time next month, Kayla might already be signed with someone else. She might. We already might have our answer. Prediction. A.K. Where does Kayla end up? Bellator. Bellator. You think Scott Coker opens the coffers for her?
3: I think he does. I think it's going to be. Yeah, I think he's 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 eyeing that cyborg Harrison fight, and he's certainly going to open the coffers more than Dana White will.
2: That's my nice way of putting it. I think she ends up back in PFL. Oh, again, what well, I just don't I don't I think PFL is going to make a big, big push for her. I think they know how valuable she is to them. But also, why leave that? You're making a million dollars a year. You're basically it's guaranteed money every time. I don't know, we'll see. It's a, It's gonna, I, again, I feel like right now, Kayla holds the fate of this pound for pound list in her hands because there's big fights out for her in every other way she could go. So, we'll see. In the meantime, AK, uh, we're gonna take a quick break and then we are rolling on the other side. Oh, yay.
0: <laughs> the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: All right, y'all, we are back. Joining us now, two of our good friends, esteemed members of our rankings panel, Damon Martin, Jed Machu. We appreciate you, fellas, as always, for joining us. Uh, So three topics we want to hit today, and let's start, of course, by putting a little bow on what happened these past few weeks in the light heavyweight division. Fellas, it is the year of our Lord 2021, and the UFC champion is Glover Teixeira. No one saw this coming, and really, when you look at the rankings... How they came out this month. It threw the light heavyweight rankings into absolute chaos. There was no consensus at all. We had multiple fighters receive number one votes. We had fighters getting ranked number two for some people and barely inside the top 10 for others. Now that this Jan Blachowicz safety blanket is gone, this division appears to be kind of anyone's game. We're looking at it like this right now. Number one in our rankings is Glover Teixeira. Number two is Yuri Prohaska. Number two tied is Jan so Those two are tied. And then four Vadim Nemkov and five Corey Anderson. So Bellator rounding out the four or five spots there. Damon, let's throw it to you first. Thoughts on where we landed. Did we get this one right?
4: I think to a certain extent, yes, we did. I think number one is Ace Glover. I mean, when you have such a dominant win over the guy who was clearly the number one guy, it's hard not to put him number one. Uh, Glover had a dominant finish over the number one guy in Jan Blachowicz. At that point, you kind of become number one. It wasn't like Glover was coming up from number 10 or anything. He was in the top five already. He gets in the number one spot. Makes sense. It was a little surprising to see Jan tied with Yuri Prohoshka. I'll be honest. I think that was a little strange, not because Yuri isn't great, but mostly because Jan, you know, while he did lose to Glover to share, he had just been the champion. I was a little surprised he actually came in tied only at second's. Uh, At that point and then again, you know, but again, that's basically like two and three. And then I think Nimkov and Anderson rounding out the top five makes a lot of sense. I personally and I hope no one cares. I'm giving out my personal rankings. I, I personally had Anderson a little higher only because. He beat Glover so dominantly within the last couple of years. He's the last guy to beat Glover Teixeira, and he beat him in a very one-sided fight. But I, I honestly, I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, Nimkov's the defending champion in Bellator. He hasn't been beaten since he lost to Yuri Prohoshka, what was it, five years ago, four years ago, whatever that was. So uh, I really have no problem with the way the ranking set. The only thing that really surprised me was the tie for a second more than anything. Jed,
2: is this a weird setup? Do you think, I mean, Glover Teixeira is the UFC champion. No one can ever take that away from him. But he's also 42 years old, right? Like he's a 42 year old man who's approaching year 20 of this MMA run. I think it's fair to ask: Is he really the singular best light heavyweight in the world right now? And for me, that's a hard question for me to answer because I feel like if he gets thrown out against a Yuri Prohasko or Vadim Nemkov, he's probably the betting underdog. And I don't know. Should that matter? Like, how do you how do you assess these things
5: ultimately? So yes and no. I mean, it it comes down to what you value. I. I do not think that Glover Teixeira is the best light heavyweight in the world. I voted him number one because his resume is clearly that of the top light heavyweight in the world. And I think those are different things. Like, if I, if this is, if we go to Game of Thrones, cause this is always the analogy we use, and you get to pick a champion and your life is on the line. I don't think a lot of people would go to Glover Teixeira, I, and I certainly wouldn't. So that means, by definition, I can't view him as the best, but that's not what rankings really are about, in my opinion, and certainly not how I cast my ballots. I, I There are a lot of—I mean, look, we've talked about this with middleweight before. I think Joel Romero is, is probably the best middleweight in the world, because he beat both Israel Adesanya and, oh my God. Uh, and Robert Whittaker, but I can't vote him at number oh, one because he has this losses— guy. On the thing, and that's it's the same to Robert thing. Like, twice, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, losses, quote <laughs> unquote. Um, <laughs> the point being, though, that like results do matter, and that's how I mostly cast my ballot. You know, there is some. I think we're only human. Some of that's going to come into play. Of yeah, you know, I just don't know that Glover would beat X, Y, or Z, and that probably docks him a few points. But I think for me, he's unquestionably the top guy, just based on what he's accomplished.
2: In that Game of Thrones scenario, because I'm curious, who would you actually draft as your number one? Like who do you feel like is the most talented light heavyweight if we're not counting John Jones as a light heavyweight?
5: Uh if we're if it's just on who if I get to first pick, it's gonna be Yuri Brahka. Like I uh, and that's I think I had him third in my individual rankings, again, because Jan Blahovich's career matters, like what he has accomplished matters. But yeah, I think if I get one guy to bet my life on, it's gonna be Yuri at this point.
2: I think I'm, I, I definitely don't think, I, I do agree with you because I actually was one of the people who had Yuri number one in, for this month. And that was sort of my, the genesis of my ranking was if those two fight, if Yuri and Glover get matched up, I feel like Yuck Glover is like a significant underdog. And maybe that's not the right approach to take to these type of rankings, but I feel like that's generally the approach I try to take of just who would win in this fight and who do I feel like is a better fighter. I don't
5: think there's a wrong or right approach, by the way. I think as long as you're consistent, so across all of your rankings, that's how you're doing it, then that's fine. Like, I don't think there's a wrong or right answer. This is just how you feel. Yeah,
2: I mean, AK, bring you in here. What? What do you? Where do you feel like we land on this conversation? Do we get it right? And also, I mean, who's your number one draft pick in this hypothetical draft?
3: I mean, I admit, the you know, the the first name that came to my mind when you asked that question, it was Yiri. It was Yiri, when you brought up the Game of Thrones scenario. Uh, and yet, in my rankings, I have him, I think, among the lowest. I think none of us have him lower than four, I'm going to say. I could be wrong, I'm just taking a glance at our rankings here. Uh, and I am one of those people. I'm one of those people who has Yiri at four um, below the Bellator champ and uh, the top two. Uh, uh, UFC uh, light heavyweight so well, I think that just fought so um, I would go with him in sort of this life or death scenario but kind of like what Jed said it's accomplishments matter your resume matter and and uh, Yuri has some incredible accomplishments again this is a very obviously my comments are very UFC centric anyone who looks at uh, Prohachka's pre-UFC resume it's pretty strong like I said win over Nemkov some years ago but even after that and he's on a he's on a hellacious win streak and I think he has three career losses he finishes fights he looks like like, on any given night, the best light heavyweight in the world. I, I will give people that. But I, I'm fairly conservative. And again, I, I know I just said this fairly UFC centric with my rankings. So um, I do need to see I would like to see a little bit more of him in the UFC. Uh, but I would pick him to be to I would pick him to be Blahovic. Nemkov's an interesting guy. Uh, I don't know uh, in the rematch if uh, if i would so comfortably say bruhachko would beat him but i obviously i see people would say that because he already beat him so um it's, it's kind of funny to look at uh, uh sean are we are we are we calling people out yet when do we get By into the means, calling calling people it. out portion of the show and, and i'm not even calling people out i would Jed, i would never call you out you and i have gone, been through too been through too much you we have it? a bone to pick with Jed. Let's oh. do it. I
5: feel like I feel like I know it's coming and I'm ready. Let's oh, do you know, it's coming. Go it? for no, it. I'm just cu- I'm just curious.
3: So, uh, uh, Damon, do you mind if I say you said uh, you said you had him ranked higher. Can I say how high you ranked Corey Anderson? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. OK, so this was our we had a very wide range of uh, Corey Anderson rankings. So, Damon, you were the highest number two, just behind Glover. Jed, you were the lowest number 10 behind Dan Dominic Reyes, Anthony Smith, and some others. Uh, And the rest of us, even uh, the rest of us were all over the place. I have him five. Some people have him three, four. So there was no consensus on where where Corey Anderson should land, Uh, which makes sense given that we've seen him succeed in the UFC and Bellator, but the level of competition has been a little bit different in Bellator. And so so I just want to know, so Jed, how how do you put Corey at 10th?
5: I would also so, like
3: to know this, please.
5: <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Sean, Sean hit me up with this the other day. When I submitted it. it. was like, how did this happen? And the first thing I would like to say is, yes, Corey Anderson beat Ryan Bader. I, I realized afterwards that I probably had Ryan Bader ranked way too highly. Uh, and so hmm. then I just course corrected that as part of this. But I think... I think that there's totally an argument for Corey Anderson to be higher. I want to be clear here. I don't believe that I have a definitive ranking of of light heavyweight. I think once you get outside of the top three, who to me are unquestionably Glover, uh, Jan, and Yuri, I think it gets real muddy real fast. And then, you know, I I think there are a lot of arguments that can be made either way. And if you want to have Corey Anderson fourth, okay. For me though, uh, recency matters a lot. And Corey Anderson has won, and that's great. Uh, His wins over the last two years have been Melvin Manhoof, okay? Uh, Some dude, I'm not even going to pretend to pronounce his name. (laughs) And Ryan Bader, who is – very likely washed at this point kind of seems that way. And also, like I said, at the beginning of this, I think I had unfairly rated higher because certainly initially I was trying to, I think I leaned too heavy into the, ah, uh, I want to not be prejudiced against Bellator. So I maybe gave some of them some inflated rankings, Vader <laughs> chief among them. Uh, like I said, if you want to have Corey Anderson higher, cool. He does have a win over the now UFC champion, uh, and a, a very solid win at that. But that was several years ago. If they fought tomorrow, that was several years I, ago. What are we talking about? It was like three, <laughs> so,
3: three or four 2018, years ago. Twenty eighteen. I'm, I'm,
2: yeah, I'm gonna, the definition of several. Fair I'm going yeah. to jump in. Go ahead, here Sean, I, I'm going to jump here because I do have follow. I
3: feel, I do have follow up, but you go first.
2: I feel like Damon Martin right now. I'm just like ready to jump through the screen when I'm hearing you say this. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You say the last two years, the wins that Corey Anderson has, and you sort of named them off. If you if you went back one more year, you'd be able to say the name Glover Teixeira on that list. It's a it's a weird cutoff point that you're making, and. I just want to read you a couple names you had ranked over Corey Anderson, Jed. Just a couple.
5: Oh, Dominic Reyes is bad. I w- I will be oh, clear. that Absolutely. was going to be my number one. Uh, <laughs> he should be below Uncle Ivan Anderson and probably way drop down. As I looked over this again, this one hundred percent, I agree that Reyes above him is a bad placement. <laughs> but fun, to, like again, you can argue about points. I fundamentally agree in general that I don't think Corey Anderson's like. A guaranteed top guy
2: just a few names that you have ranked above Corey anderson dominic reyes who hasn't won a fight since 2019 tiago santos who has, hasn't looked good in a fight since 2019 and oh, Ma- i
5: didn't realize looking good was the same as winning or losing because oh he no. also he also
2: lost three fights in a row relatively recently you might have seen it uh and then the other one all to better be- fighters than
5: Corey anderson <laughs>
2: Hold on, Magomed Ankalaev, who has exactly zero wins over anybody ranked in your top ten, is also above Corey Anderson, who has a recent win over the UFC champion. I guess my question is, why do you hate Corey Anderson so much?
5: <laughs> well, one, Magomed, do, I mean, do you do you believe that Magomed Ankalaev would lose to Corey Anderson? If they fought because I sure don't. I think that definitely factors in. I think uh, I think Corey Anderson would be favorite if I'm being honest. He might be favorite. I don't. I can't speak for Vegas, but I think Unkaliup wins. Uh, look, maybe I hate Corey Anderson. That's totally fair. Uh, I just keep <laughs> coming back. I keep coming back to Daniel Cormier's quote to Jimmy Manoa as Jimmy Manoa sat cage side and tried to call for a title shot of Jimmy. I like you, but you beat Corey Anderson. Sit down. That doesn't matter. And that's I can't get past it. Like he's he's a totally fine light heavyweight. Maybe he's a top five one because this division is awful. But like, I, he, his wins, he has the win over Glover. Great. He beat Alir Latifi and Johnny Walker, who are competent fighters, but not ranked fighters. And before that, like, what's, let me turn it back to you outside of the Teixeira win. Obviously a very good win, especially now, given what Glover's done. What's his big win? It's bad Bader? Like, I don't. I don't think we need hold to the record, the record. For the record, hold you. on, hold on, so, wait, wait. You had Let Ryan defend. ranked at number
2: six coming into that month.
5: Oh, yeah, as I point. said, as I said, that was an inflated, bad ranking. I'm not here to say everything's the- right, but I just don't know why Corey Anderson and Scott Coker saying he's the best light like, heavyweight in the world or whatever means we all now need to believe it. Right? He has. We don't, don't need to believe win. it. We don't need to believe
2: it, but we need Listen, to consider it when that one good win is the man currently holding the UFC title, and it was a vel- relatively convincing win, and it was not that long ago.
3: Yes, and can I defend the Johnny Walker win too? When when he Johnny Walker definitely, if we had been doing rankings, would have been ranked. To probably top 12 uh, or top 13 if we had been doing ranks at the time he he was 4-0 in the UFC if I had, uh, coming off be a
5: wagon, no 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 <laughs>
3: but this, this, is, this is I mean we have to we have to contextualize it you can't say like that Johnny Walker win wasn't a good win at the time it was a really good win people were talking about him fighting like John Jones if he beat Corey Anderson like this was a real thing like this was a real conversation that was happening at the time so for Corey to like starch him like, that was a big deal at the time. So I, I know in retrospect, like, oh, was that a big win? Like, I, I think it was at the time, and I think it still held up pretty well. So, um, but I do want to give uh, a Damon. Damon, can you, now, I think we should go to Damon for the other side of it. Well, that's, what, I, I want to uh, ask I want to ask Damon. Just, please, Sean, yeah.
2: There's no one in our rankings right now who is more polarizing than Corey Anderson. No no mm-hmm. one fighter in any division has a bit broader spectrum than two to ten than Corey Anderson. And I think that sort of speaks to the place where we're at with this light heavyweight division just in general. Damon, why do you think that is? And who do you feel like between you being at number two, you having him at number two and Jet Hammond at number 10? Who do you feel like is closer to being on point in their assessment?
4: Well, clearly I'm right. Uh, Let me just go ahead and start there, Uh, because (laughs) when you look at Corey Anderson's body of work, he is uh, he is seven and one in his last eight fights. His one loss, of course, was the knockout. Jan Blachowicz, which doesn't look all that bad considering what Jan has done over the last couple of years. He went out there and I know you can sit here and say maybe Ryan Bader is washed, he's not the fighter he once was but the fact is Ryan Bader still deserved the ranking he was at considering what he had done up to that point at light heavyweight and heavyweight. I mean, we can sit here and say that, you know, we don't believe he's the fighter he once was but uh, he still had the resume to back up his ranking and Corey Anderson knocked him out in 51 seconds. He had a lopsided win over Johnny Walker who at the time was one of the most hype prospects in the UFC knocked him out in 207, got a performance of the night there. And then his fight with Glover Teixeira wasn't close, wasn't remotely close, wasn't anything on the, on the scope of close. It was a three round lopsided decision where Glover got dominated. Um, that matters. Performances matter. And right now, Corey Anderson is the guy who's building a resume. You're gonna tell me that those seven wins? I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not I'm not trying to say that Yuri Prochaska is a bad light heavyweight. I think Yuri Praska is a great light heavyweight. Actually, and we have that whole Game of Thrones argument, I would probably pick him too. Yuri's a monster. But he has the when you talk about his wins, he has the Nimkov win. Of course, that was several years ago. That actually was several years ago. And then you actually talk about his two wins in the UFC. Both very impressive. Ozdemir and of course the winner of Dominic Reyes. But then here we're you know, we're we're sitting here listening to you trash Dominic Reyes. Well, how meaningful <laughs> is the Dominic Reyes win? Compared to Ryan Bader, I mean, again, I mean, if, if if Dominic Reyes isn't as good as everyone made him out to be, then how quality is that win? Vulcan Ozdemir is a solid light heavyweight, but come on now, I mean, you're going to tell me the Vulcan Ozdemir, that win is that much better than you know uh, you know some of the other wins on on uh, on Corey Anderson's record? Really, I mean, come on, Ryan Bader's not a more quality win than Vulcan Ozdemir, really. Uh, and so that's why I think when you look at Corey Anderson's body of work combined with the Glover Sheriff factor, when you again three years ago. In fighting three years isn't that long because fighters typically only fight twice or maybe three times a year. This isn't, you know, college football or, or this isn't the pros where you get a chance to avenge a loss four games later. You, you know, you have a record that goes back and we're not going back like nine years. We're going back about three years. And within the last three years, Corey Anderson has a very, very convincing win over the current UFC LA heavyweight champion. That matters.
5: If, if that matters, though, why does Jan Blachowicz's convincing first round knockout of Corey Anderson last year, not matter because you have Corey ranked above Jan. Again, you want to put Corey above Yuri, fine. I'm I, I don't agree, but I, I can't make a great argument that you're wrong. And I'm right. I don't understand how all the things you said don't apply to Jan knocking out Corey literally last year.
4: <laughs> that also goes in again, this ranking really goes into recency bias in terms of what just happened, meaning Jan Got dominated by Glover. I mean, he got dominated and finished in the second round. He wasn't really in the fight and and he got beat. And, and again, that's a judgment call. I'm not gonna fault and say that Jan couldn't be above so Corey. Corey's kind of win. You're talking about.
5: So Corey's win over Glover three years ago matters more than Jan's win over Corey last year. Corey's a dominant win over Glover. decision as opposed to a Corey's first round knockout. <laughs> Corey's win over this.
4: Corey's win over Glover combined with his last three wins in a row, again, highlighted. I'm not going to sit here and say okay. Melvin Manhoff uh, and the other guy. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. Ryan Bader matters. He was a, he was the Bellator Light Heavyweight Champion, you know, six, seven months ago, whatever it was. And and he's still, I mean, again, I know we're saying that he didn't really, you're, you're saying he didn't really deserve the ranking he had, but he had the ranking. I mean, we can't sit here and ignore it just because now in retrospect we say, well, maybe Ryan Bader's washed. Okay. But we absolutely you, no can, one said that. <laughs> you, you can, but we're saying that after he got knocked out in fifty-one seconds. I mean, he got beat by Vadim Nimkov. There's no shame in that loss. I mean, Vadim Nimkov is one of the top five guys in the world, and he got beat by the better guy. Okay, I'm I'm fine with that. But what other I mean, he went out there and again, I know Leota Machida's not, you know, Leota Machida of a decade ago, but he still went out there and beat Lyoto Machida, had a quality win after the Nimkov fight, and then and then he got starched in fifty-one seconds. Now afterwards, we could sit here and say, yes, Ryan Bader. Maybe he's washed, but going into that fight, there were a lot of people picking Ryan Bader to win that fight, and and Ryan Bader wasn't like this huge underdog, and no one said Ryan Bader was washed going into that fight. Maybe we're saying it coming out of it because he got knocked out in 51 seconds, but it doesn't erase that knockout. So when you take the Glover win combined with everything else he's done, plus the three wins recently, and capped off and with the exclamation point of a 51 second knockout over another top 10 ranked light heavyweight, and Ryan Bader, that's why I put him there. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that Jan and, and and Corey couldn't easily easily be flipped. I'm not saying that. They could be easily flipped. And I wouldn't argue with you saying, yes, Jan knocked him out more recently. I just go by the, the resume. And the resume says Corey just got a legit win over a top 10 light heavyweight in 51 seconds in Ryan Bader. And Jan got dominated and finished in the second round by Glover Teixeira. And then again, when I combine in the Glover Teixeira went a lopsided three round decision over the current light heavyweight champion. That's why I put him there. I don't have a problem if they're flip flop, but my problem is if you have Corey Anderson much lower than that, because. What else does this guy, I mean, what else can he do? If he goes out there and beats Vadim Nimkov, what's he gonna bump to number four? I mean, come on. Like uh, how many top ten wins well, does this guy have to get before people show him some freaking respect? <laughs> that, if he that's beats
5: Vadim Nimkov, he'll move up to either three or four, and that's where he'll stay because now he fights in an organization where he can't get good wins anymore.
3: Wow. See, like, that's what I well that's what I was guys, that's what I was gonna ask all three of you actually. Uh, well, first, and by the way, guys, uh, Dovletzan uh, Murdov, please. OK, put some respect on Look his name. That. Look at that. Professionalism. You had
5: stopped stop to pause to get that right. And I'm not even confident you did. <laughs> Don't mock us for we'll re- never know. knowing our own <laughs> limitations. <Thanks. laughs>
3: but I said it with such confidence, though. Uh, but I was going to ask all three of you. Let's say Corey Anderson beats Nemkov in the most dominant fashion pot, like first round knockout, whatever, first round knockout, five rounds, uh, you know, 50-45, 50-44, whatever, whatever you want to define as the best like that Corey Anderson could do against him. How high, I'll start with Damon because he already has him at two. How high can he go, Damon? Would you would you put him above uh, Glover? If, and in Glover, let's say Glover doesn't fight until uh, middle of next year or something.
4: I would say it would be close because again, you got the win over Glover and another win over a top five guy. And by the way, just to dispute what Jed just said there, no offense, oh, but he can't, there still are a couple quality wins. Are we going to say, I mean, again, I understand people have kind of forgotten about him, but if he goes out and beats Rumble Johnson, that doesn't matter anymore. Rumble Johnson that's doesn't still point. matter. That's in, a great point. In, I mean, there. that's out there. Your boy, Uel Romero who just lost to Phil Davis, by the way, uh, Phil Davis is still out there. Phil Davis isn't a great win. It's not like beating him is, is as high quality as beating a Gary but beating Phil Davis still matters. He's still a quality light heavyweight at this stage of the game. Uh, so, so we're clear, yeah, Phil can...
5: Davis is a good win. Rumble Johnson is not. We have no idea if Rumble can fight. His one fight is against a dude nobody knows in Bellator <laughs> earlier this year. We need to see him compete again before I'd consider that a good win. You just, but, uh, called, you
2: just called Phil Davis a good win when you have him ranked below Ryan Bader, who you call the bad win. I don't get it. <laughs>
5: Yeah, I look, I'm not saying that I did a perfect job on this. 100%. I came clean immediately. But, like, I, uh, mine at least isn't as objectively awful as having Corey Anderson a spot above the dude who knocked him out last year. That seems crazy to me.
4: But there are people and to in answer our your question, AK,
5: I. I, I don't care if he obliterates Vadim Nimkov. He doesn't get to move past Jan Blahovich. He gets to move to third. He gets to move in front of Yuri Prohoshka if Corey Anderson comes up and, and blows the doors off, off Nimkov you look, because you look, he got knocked if out if you... last year.
4: If you look at our rankings, and I'm not going to call anybody out by name, but if you look at our rankings, there's a lot of people who have Phil Davis ranked. I think most people have Phil Davis ranked. A lot of people have a lot of people have Rumble Johnson ranked and ranked pretty highly. I'm not saying like top five, but like you know decently ranked. So Anthony Johnson is still a quality win, and that's based on Anthony Johnson's resume. Is Anthony Johnson the same guy who fought and you know destroyed people a couple of years ago? Maybe not. I don't know but there's still enough respect being shown to him to have him in the rankings on, on some people's rankings. So I think that's still a quality win again. Now, will he eventually run into that roadblock beating them and beating, let's say, hypothetically beating Johnson? Will he kind of run into a roadblock at that point? Yes. And if Yuri Prochaska goes out there and smokes Glover to will he probably be number one and he'll stay there as long as he's champion? Probably so. But again, I just, when you talk, you know, wins count and quality wins count of Corey Anderson, beats he beat Ryan Bader if he goes out and beats Vadim Dimkov and again hypothetically goes out and beats Anthony Rumble Johnson I mean that's three huge wins in a row and I understand he lost to Jan Blachowicz I get that but yeah if we're going to play that game and I know that was more recently but I mean you know Corey does have a 30-25 you know, win over Jan Blachowicz from several okay. years ago now that now again, now, again of the
5: realm but, of reasonable discussion again, I, I understand
4: that I know I understand that's what I'm saying though but at what point what can what can Corey do that will ever get get him past Sean Blahovich. Yes, he lost that fight. But if he beats if he beats Bader, Nimkov, and Hypedale, let's say Johnson or Davis in three in a row. Those are three top 15 fighters. That's not good enough for him to jump over one win over one loss to Jan Blahovic? Not if Jan keeps winning. If Jan loses, sure.
5: But if if Jan's one okay. loss is to the champion, then no. Like that's just not it. He's still got the and Corey Anderson wanted to make this whole argument about, yeah, I also beat you, but that was however many years ago. You got knocked out last year, man. Like, That's that's just the way the cookie crumbles as far as I'm concerned. Again, it's all subjective. If And you obviously, Damon, are valuing this differently. But as long as Jan doesn't lose again to somebody who's not the champion, then I, I just think he gets to hang on to that spot.
2: In my eyes, if Corey Anderson continues to stay unbeaten in, in Bellator and does the same that he's been doing to these people, to Vadim Nemkov, you have a very, very real argument there for top two placement. Like just in general, like it'd be hard to keep him out of the top two for me at that point because I do think so highly of Vadim Nemkov. But we have to move on. We've spent a long time on this one. We Let's let's move on to the second topic now and let's hit the 170 pound division because the Hamzat Shamaya party is back on, fellas. Like it never left. Uh, we went over the numbers AK in the first half of the show, but there is just some nonsensical striking stats out there, takedown, control stats, whatever you want to look at. A lot of these stats just don't make sense. He was sort of the biggest story on a card that was loaded with big stories. And now we're here. He's four and zero in the UFC and he shoots into our rankings this month. He debuts as an immediate top 10 fighter. He's the number 10 spot at welterweight right now. That's him. Uh, everyone on this whole team had him in their 10 to 14 range. But his is now this weird case where it feels like the hype is justified, and he's clearly this top tier talent. He's he's clearly a talent that needs to be contending for in that in that sort of realm. But he doesn't really have the resume yet to really get him uh, a higher spot in these rankings. So I just wonder for you guys, how do you approach a situation like this when you're putting your list together?
4: Well, for me personally, and i i had him I had him the second lowest ranked of anybody, and it's not because I don't think he's great it's resume to me because as qua and beating Lee Jing Lang matters. I mean, that's a good win and, and there is potential there and I'll rank him above Michael page and Douglas Lima, who I've ripped on this show before, especially well not Douglas Lima more Michael page, you know, his list of, you know, the t- tomato cans he's beaten up to Douglas Lima. Uh, but Chemaev has potential and he now has a quality win, but I can't rank him much higher than that. Then you know, the bottom half of the top fifteen because he doesn't have other quality wins. I mean, Reese McKee is his one other win at welterweight. Reese McKee's lightweight and he's not in the UFC anymore. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't stand a reason when you compare his resume to let's say a Neil Magny or even a Ray Cooper in PFL, who you know beat Roy McDonald in a very one sided fight and then you know, went out and knocked out. Uh, Magomed Magomed Karimov who is a solid you know welterweight not saying he's a great you know a, a amazing top 10 guy but he's a solid you know light, uh, solid welterweight fighter um so I think Chamayev has all the potential in the world but he's got to get a few more wins. he's got it's at least another win or two for me to start ranking him much higher because again wins matter quality wins matter and right now Chamayev has one so I'm um, let me let me tell
5: you how the sausage is made for my rankings cuz I think that that will explain where I've put Shemaev. I think I've got him at 11. And I I totally agree with what Damon said, wins matter. Uh, I think that there's a really good argument for Shemaev actually to just not be ranked at all um, because he doesn't really have – like Li Jiangling is probably a fringe top 15 guy. I don't remember if we had him ranked last month or not. But you know he's sort of in that neighborhood. This one win maybe should get Shemaev in. But other than that, he doesn't have a lot. But for me – uh we go back to the game of thrones argument i i'm in i'm all in line line it up rocket ship to the moon chemaev is is gonna win the belt i would pick him tomorrow against everybody except maybe kamar usman and i might even pick him over usman um wow really strictly because i've been waiting for kamar usman to uh stumble for the last like three years because he's low key old for the division. Yes, yeah. And and he has like self-admittedly doesn't have functioning knees, and I've been waiting for that shoe to drop and it just hasn't cuz he's so damn good, but like at some point that will catch up to him. And so I I totally believe that Usman should be a favorite over Chmayev, but I keep thinking this might be the time for Usman and I I Shamayev was so impressive against Lee Ling, who, you know, I respect. I think he is a solid welterweight. And just the the overall totality of his career is so impressive. And because I he's got that top, you know, Game of Thrones spot for me, that absolutely colored kind of where I placed him. And so I just kind of looked at the rankings and was like, all right, I know this, I want this guy in here. I can't put him above people with like very clearly established resumes. And so I figured the exact line of who I, who I could comfortably live with him being above and put him above it. I was just like, uh, Neil Magny has a lot of good wins at welterweight. I can't in good conscience put Shamayev above him. But Ray Cooper, Michael Page, Douglas Lemo, Bilal Muhammad, they're all very good welterweights. Um, but they all have obvious criticisms against their careers. They're in Bellator, PFL, or they're Bilal Muhammad. I was like, Ah. Yeah, Hamza could go right there. That's just where I put him. So I'm actually, I'm glad
2: both of you guys brought up Ray Cooper because I was looking at the difference between them two and uh, to me it's sort of an interesting case study with how these whole rankings work in general because I think I was the only one on the whole team to have Ray Cooper in my top 10. I had him at number nine. I think everyone else sort of had him in that 11-15 range just outside of the top 10. But you look at him, he's undefeated in his last seven, right? Two-time PFL champ. He beat Rory McDonald like Damon said, dominated Magomed, Magomed who I think all of us respect. He's a talent at 170. He ends up jumping for up from number 14 to number 12 now in this month. But it is one of those things where Hamzat Shumayev is already ranked above him with, you know, what? Like a 4-0 UFC record, really one UFC win that matters. A.K., how do you, how do you when you have a situation like this, where you have a, a UFC blue chip prospect, who I think all of us agree, future title contender, probably like future contending for that top five spot. Like that's Hamzat Shumayev right now. When you have that versus someone who is in a lower league, uh, a PFL, but is on a hot streak and has been doing so well, and I would say the PFL one seventy pound division is actually pretty decent, right? Like that's a talent rich division just across the world. So you, whatever talent PFL is able to get there, it's pretty decent talent. How do you how do you measure the two? Like how do you how do you really determine who 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 comes in above somebody else? Because I think you had uh, Chimaev with me at number ten.
3: Yes. Uh, yeah. Us, we had him at 10 and one of our others uh, also had him at 10. We were the highest uh, rankers of Mr. Shemayev. Yeah. this. Listen, that win, it, I, I'm, I'm assuming our colleagues uh, aren't looking too closely at my rankings. That win was so uh, impactful, the win over Lee. It actually made me reshuffle sort of the bottom half of my, my top 15, even with some of these guys not having fought recently. It, I had to rethink like, OK, well, I know... This guy has a better record than this guy. This guy has a better record than this guy. This guy would beat this guy, whatever, whatever. But, and then I'm like, but I I, I really think Shamayev can beat, say, you know, this guy. And then, so I had to shift some things around. So my, my rankings look a little screwy. I, I think you and I were, were talking earlier, Sean, and you mentioned, I actually, somehow Cooper went down despite proving that, three seasons into the pfl he has proven definitively he is the man to beat in that league he has a lot of good wins in that league i somehow dropped him down two spots and and that's again You're it's, saying it's on not your nothing. list right like he dropped on, on my your, list yeah. yeah on my on, i think he'll, he'll he'll move up when our on our uh, actual rankings um but on my list he actually well fell down i dropped him below uh, michael page douglas lima two guys from still very high on but you can make a very strong case that his resume certainly. Uh, Recently is stronger than both of theirs and I and I have no issue with that Um, So the Shamayev thing is both who he's beaten I know only 2-0 welterweight, but it's I kind of have to look at all his performances regardless of weight class He's a hard guy to find. There's just nobody that's that started a UFC career like this, I don't think, uh, at least in the modern era, um, dominating his opponents in two weight classes and and really dominating. I mean, we're talking first round, just insane finishes, not getting touched. So uh, it's the Game of Thrones test. is the eye test. And I think that has to factor into it so much. Um, as much as I, I, I definitely favor results, like what actually happens, who have you beaten, the eye test results on this guy – are so undeniable they're so off the charts that you have to make some leeway for uh hypotheticals and and uh is his performance is you know so strong that, that he can be put above more experienced uh guys who have beaten better competitions that, so that's where i really am with this guy there's really just no there's no precedent for it he's he's essentially really messing up the rankings and god forbid if the ufc actually lets him compete at 170 and 185 then i really don't know what we're going to do <laughs> he might be the he might be someone who has to be ranked the two in two uh uh two standings. It's possible. We don't know with this guy.
5: 185 has like seven good fighters in it, so right? it would be pretty easy to manage. Just he just gets to be one of the top ten guys.
3: I know, but but we don't have anyone in two divisions, uh uh, uh Jed. He would be the first guy. We've only been doing this for a few months officially. He would be the first guy. Uh, and that's your candidate, of course, Amanda Nunez, two division champ. Oh, wait, there is no. Never mind. There's only one. <laughs> one division we actually rank. Uh, so he would be the first guy to kind of break our rankings as we have uh, as sure. we've constructed Ryan, them.
4: What about Ryan Bader? You I forgot about Ryan him, Baker. heavyweight and light heavyweight?
3: Well, he's not heavyweight anymore, is he?
4: Yeah, he's still ranking not, heavyweight. He's, still he's not, still not a heavyweight
3: not- champion. No, no, but he didn't make he didn't make our our heavyweight rankings this time, right? Oh, he did. Yes, he did. Oh, he he's 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 hanging on, tied for fourteen. Okay, well, there we go. So he's a he he'd have to uh, he'd have to match the illustrious Ryan Bader in that regard. Uh, should he should he man, be allowed to compete in two divisions? So much but Ryan yeah.
5: Bader talk.
3: What is this? 2016. <laughs> that's he'll come for. That's what the, that's going in the headline, man. That's going in the headline like.
4: Ryan That's one cool guy's saying Ryan Ryan one guy's saying Ryan Bader's wash, another guy's saying he sucks at heavyweight. What is going on here today, guys? Jeez, I did not poor well, Ryan Bader said Ryan Bader's, I said, poor Ryan Bader's I just say, catching strays all I day. I didn't say <laughs> sucks. I didn't say sucks. I said
3: he's a non factor. I said he's a non-factor and I forgot he was a heavyweight. That's that's not sucks. <laughs> Come on now. That is that's <laughs> a he sucks.
5: sucks. Come on, Damon.
3: Come on, Don't misquote me.
2: Don't misquote me. Come on. <laughs> to me, the the two cases just go and get back to the welterweights. It's, it's, they're very different, but I I do sort of see comparisons, and I guess maybe the, this isn't a welterweight thing, but like with Islam Makachev and Hamza Shemaya, where it, it both feels to me that they're in this weird spot that I look at them much higher than their actual ranking is, if that makes any sense. Where it's like, Islam might be the best lightweight in the whole damn world right now. And it's it's really hard for me to not put him in that spot, just in these rankings, just off my gut. Like I have him the highest out of anybody on the whole staff. I have him at number four in the lightweight rankings. Everyone else sort of has him in that five, six, seven range. But to me, it's just so undeniable to like, how can I not have this guy in the top four of these rankings? And and that's sort of how it felt with Hamzat, where it's just, he's a top 10 welterweight. Like I know we haven't maybe seen the evidence of it, but it feels, I feel it in my bones that he's a top 10 welterweight.
4: And I, I just, it was hard for me to leave it off. I mean, I don't, like I said, I, I think, you know, potential matters, but I, again, I got to always balance potential with record. And again, with Shemayev, I think, I agree. I think, listen, I I said it in my post-fight column. I think him and Usman could be one of the biggest, you know, if things keep going in that direction, him and Usman could be a monster fight for the UFC. And it's probably what Usman needs right now because he's staring down a ton of rematches. If he gets past Colby. Uh, you know UFC 268 like he's looking at nothing but rematches pretty much right now and Shamaya might be the one guy who would actually you know be a, a serious challenge to Kamaru Usman right now so I think he's there I mean I, I would pick him to beat a lot of the guys in the top welterweight right now but he's got to beat him that I, I, I got to see I got he's got to earn him like I said I can say on, on on eyesight test I think he beats you know maybe everybody but Usman. But we don't know that quite yet. Maybe maybe Gilbert Burns submits him. Gilbert Burns is no joke. Maybe Gilbert Burns pulls off, you know, maybe Gilbert Burns goes out there and, and pulls off a wild submission because he's a freaking, you know, multi-time grappling champion. Maybe, you know, maybe Vicente Luque, the master of violence himself, you know, somehow, you know, draws Chamaev into a fight and he catches him and clips him and puts him down. I don't know that I'd bet on those things to happen, but it could. And so until they do, I can't quite put Chamaev you know, much higher than where I have him in that top fifteen because he just doesn't have the wins.
3: Yeah, I, I, well, i I'll just sort of adding okay. on to that. Exactly. That's that's kind of where I, like I said, I put Shmaya. So to just give a little more clarity on mine, he's above uh, the people directly behind him. Sorry, MVP Lima Cooper, and then ahead of him is where we get to these veteran welterweights: Kiesa, Masvidal, uh, Luke. So, and, and and exactly what Damon is saying is is I I would certainly pick him. Uh, I think to beat any of these guys at this point. But also, I could see them. One, I can see them beating him, as Damon said. And two, their resumes are just so strong that that's where I have to draw the line. But I, I can, I, I can really see people like projecting just you know the biggest things for uh, Shamayev. I mean, obviously, Dana White's all in on him, and some fans. It, I mean, I don't know if they keep if fans out there. If you keep your own rankings and you're throwing Shamayev at like the seven, six, five, top five, I think it's crazy. But I think it shows you how he has captured the imagination of the fans and the media and everyone who has seen him fight.
2: It's really unique. It's really unique, man. Like I I, I wrote in my column over the weekend that I can count on the note on one hand, the number of times I've really asked and called over like a decade in this industry for a prospect to sort of be instant pushed into title contention. It doesn't happen often, but for me, this feels like one of those rare cases, man. One, one quick question to wrap this up before we move on to our last topic. One word answer from all you guys, I'm just curious where we're sitting. Shemaev versus the Usman Covington winner. Who are you picking tomorrow? AK. One word Usman. Jed. Shemaev. Damon. Usman. I think I'm Usman, but I'm not sure.
5: Cowards. (laughs) I'm not sure. Also, you're all just assuming Usman beats Covington. (laughs) Well, that's why I said Usman Covington winner. (laughs) You said Usman Covington winner, but you said Usman. Exactly. I am not at all confident Usman wins this weekend. Very confident.
4: I'm getting, I am very, very confident he wins this week. Y'all
2: forgetting how close that first fight was.
5: He, I think everyone's forgetting that Colby was arguably winning until the fifth round.
2: Yeah. <laughs> not, uh, on, not on two of the judges' cards. Regardless, let's move on. Last topic of the day. Uh, and we had to revisit it because on our inaugural episode of this of this wonderful show we do together, the four of us debated the, d- the bantamweights at length. Peter Yawn, Aljamain Sterling, who at the time we had tied for the number one spot. Damon, you and I were on team Peter Yan. We felt like he was the number one bantamweight in the world and he had shown it. AK and Jed, you guys were on team Sterling. Damon, our argument was you got to trust your own eyes. And now wouldn't you know it, you pull up the rankings today in a post-UFC 267 world and who's all alone at number one? AK... You absolute <laughs> coward! I will say Hold this on. is
3: this Hold is on. perfect. This is perfect <laughs> Let because me. let's say this is perfect because we have you two who already made your case. I sorry, you two being Damon and uh, Sean, and one of us turned. My, I turned. I turned. I turned, and one of us. As you can imagine, the the illustrious Mr. Jed uh, has has, has I, I think has uh, no, has dug in your heels, your proverbial heels.
2: So, so let me uh, ask sorry, John. What were you going to say? So, yes, please. So just to finish setting this up, six place first six first place votes now for uh-huh. uh, the UFC interim bantamweight champion, and Aljamain still has two. Jed is one of those. A K. You were one of those defectors who moved over Mm -hmm. to the Yan side. Why now? Why was it this one win over a guy that Aljamain has already beaten much quicker and easier? Why was this the thing that set you on that side?
3: Okay. Well, first of all, he needs to uh, Yan need to beef up his resume a little bit. I I don't apologize for having Sterling number one at all. I I think Sterling. I don't know why fans have this whole. uh, Yes, he was. uh, I think obviously he was losing to Jan in their fight. But the thing is, again, that fight did not have a conclusive ending. And if, if the official ending is that Sterling won. He won by his qualification. So uh, technically, he has that a win over Jan. That's pretty
5: conclusive, right. AK. No,
3: no, well, I mean, it's not if we if, if you watch the fight, which we all did, and I think we all know. I think it was heading towards a Jan decision win and possibly a finish, honestly, in the fourth or fifth round. We don't know.
5: You know, um, Jan Blachowicz but, was heading to knock on. out Glover until he got
3: tapped. I oh, sure. I mean, if that's how you saw that and you're willing to go on record <laughs> saying that, you, I will let you have that, sir. If that's how you saw that fight going, just like a Nate Diaz was about to turn things around on uh, on Jorge Masvidal, like, I agree. I mean, again, these are all things that we know are facts. They were about to turn these fights around. Um, but uh, just to give credit to Aljo, again, Corey Sanhagen, like you said, fast finish. Munoz, Jimmy Rivera. I'm just looking at his resume right now. Henan Barrow when that mattered. I know it was it was at 140. That mattered when that win happened. It's, it's funny. And, and just people, because he had, again, a, I think what was a losing performance against Jan, that people discounted all that. Now Jan, at the to, now that I'm looking at it, again, I think he was beating Sterling. So you give him partial credit for that. The win over Sanhagen was awesome. I don't care if it <laughs> wasn't a finish. I don't care if it wasn't a finish. The Jose Aldo win, which I, I kind of didn't think that much of when it first happened, I think is greatly... Uh, has aged very, very well. And he also has wins over Rivera. And so so he's, that Sanhengen win puts a little over the top. But what really does as well is we don't know when they're going to fight or if. Uh, Sterling does say he wants me back early next month. It seems to me absurd. I'm not judging Jed. I'm saying or or, or the other panelists who, had, who kept Sterling number one. Sounds
2: a little bit like you're judging Jed.
3: I mean, you know, people can infer what they Don't want. I not
5: judge real hard right back. Okay, okay, <laughs> but I'm saying,
3: it seems absurd. Let's say this fight doesn't happen till like, February. That's, like, three more months where I keep, I would have kept Sterling above Jan, and there's nothing Jan could do. I'm, I am obviously, you know, and, and what if that fight doesn't happen? Let's say, let's say for some reason, Sterling's not ready to come back, and another matchup gets made. Then how long am I waiting to put Jan number one? So it just, it just didn't make sense. I was just looking, this was looking ahead a little bit, and, and, and just thinking, what's fair is fair. This guy has proven he's the champ. He's now according to Joe Martinez, the two, the two-time champ. And uh, and I would pick him to beat Sterling. So all those all uh, in a rematch. So all those things uh, are why I'm going to I feel very comfortable having him number 1 now. But don't regret. Do not regret having Sterling
2: number 1 up to this point. Jed come in defend your honor.
5: I I don't even know where to begin. So first of all, AK never again do you get to say that rules rule because you just threw that out the window. Immediately with this. That was all within the uh, rules.
3: That was all within the rules.
5: Uh, explain to me this. Is Aljamain Sterling's win over Peter Jan, is it Piotr Jan, is it legitimate? Yes or no, is it legitimate? Sure. Then how in God's name can you justify putting Piotr Jan above him? Like, there's no... I get it. If you're the person who wrongly believes that Piotr Jan was uh, unjustifiably DQ'd, then yes, he... I – he wins the Game of Thrones. If they're fighting tomorrow, I'm putting Pyotr Jan there. But as we have conclusively established this whole time, results matter. Activity matters. Mm-hmm. In my mm-hmm. monthly rankings, uh, I moved Pyotr Jan up because the last time we had this discussion, I thought there was a good argument that he was not a top four, you know, three or four guy because his resume did not warrant that, especially if you accept the Sterling loss as what it is. A legitimate loss. But because he beat Sandhagen and looked so damn good, I moved him up to number two. I think, like you said, AK, the the win over Aldo is looking better and better. I think the Sandhagen win, for my money, Sandhagen's the toughest fight in the division, for Jan, and I think he won that very cleanly. So he's number two, but I 100% believe that he justifiably lost the fight and his belt that, I don't care how the fight was going or if he hadn't done the illegal thing that he probably would have won because he did do the illegal thing and we don't live on Fantasy Island where he didn't cheat his ass off. Because again, n- n- everybody just just wants to forget it because he would probably beat Aljamain Sterling if they fought again. It was not – a controversial knee he stood over the top of aljamain sterling hammering punches into the grounded fighter for seven seconds and then need him it wasn't sterling was playing the game he made a choice it was an illegal one he got dq totally legit i think everybody on the call here believes that that is a legit win for sterling and if you think uh-huh. that is a legit win for sterling There is absolutely no excuse in my mind for putting Jan above him unless you are entirely basing it on the fact that all of your picks are who would win tomorrow. Because if that's the case, I'll go redo all my rankings and that's the only way that I will vote moving forward is who I would pick to win in a fight tomorrow. But if results matter, which we have all hammered home, and Sterling's win was a legitimate result – you're all insane and AK, I am so disappointed that you <laughs> oh, jumped this is shit. Wow. This
3: is, Jed, I feel so bad for you. What's about to happen to you. Okay. Two things. Um, one, is a disqualification the same as a decision win or finish? Is it the same thing? No. Yes. In your eyes, is it well, the same. It has the same yeah, value. If so absolutely. if someone yeah. beats someone by disqualification, you're saying you're on, you're going on record saying a disqualification win has the same value in your eyes as someone beating someone by decision or finishing them.
5: I will give a very minor caveat to that. The DQ isn't like total garbage. But yes, I believe it's the same. So hit me it's with the same. your okay. haymaker.
3: You value them the same. Okay. Uh, uh, and results matter. Uh, Whitaker beat, uh, beat Romero twice. Yeah, uh, that's, you've why been put, I don't
5: have, that's why I don't have Romero ranked over Whittaker. You, it's been, a fun thing, you've a been fun thing that I say, oh, but it's okay. not a real thing so now that we're just, I do oh, in the now, rankings. We're just having,
3: now we're just having fun. We're doing the Alex Jones yeah. in court. Oh, I'm just having fun. We're just here for entertainment. <laughs> yeah, okay. Dude, I just hey, want to be sure. Go, I just want to be sure.
5: Go look at my rankings. <laughs> Where's Robert Whittaker in the oh,
3: okay. rankings? I'm just, this, is, this has come up many times in conversation. I'm just saying. It's come up many times in conversation.
5: Yeah, I like to joke about your Romero being great, but I understand that he technically did lose. <laughs> but David. Okay, so hold on, hold David. on absolutely. Hold on. Won. So
4: to that to that point to that point though, Jed, let me just put you on the hot spot here. You said wins matter, right? Results yeah, matter. Both said that. Okay, yes. Ryan Bader, you had it number six at light heavyweight. Corey Anderson beat him, and Corey Anderson Why are we didn't. re-litigating be- this. I'm just saying <laughs> because you're not. consistent. Matter, you got to no, yeah, no, It bears I already
5: answered. I already answered that question. (laughs) I incorrectly had Bader high. He is above Ryan Bader now. We don't need to re-argue the light heavyweight point. I'll even stipulate, sure, I'm wrong about Corey Anderson. Cool. I could give two (laughs) tugs of a dead dog's tail arguing (laughs) whether Corey Anderson is a top five fighter. We got it. You guys are telling me about Piotr Jan ag- aggressively deserves to be the top weight, but in the same breath believe that Aljo won legit, you're all crazy. Mission accomplished. I cannot believe this.
2: Mission accomplished. <laughs> we got the audio. Quote, unquote, Jed, I was wrong about Corey Anderson. <laughs> we got it. Sure. sure. That's it. That wrong. was all we Stipula-
5: needed. So stipulated. <laughs> now, everyone, please adjust your Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling rankings because this is nonsense.
2: All I'm saying is... Damon, a couple months ago, you and I said, "Trust your eyes. Trust your eyes." That was all. We were just trying to get you guys to trust your eyes, and now people are trusting their eyes just a little bit more. And someone's on the losing side. Damon, you can take a victory lap right now if you want before we before we get out of here. Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, listen, AK is he- now on the losing side. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, yeah, That's I, I, I good, you, actually. You, you, Sean, <laughs> you and I insane. had him number one. We still have him number one, and it only is solidified further by the win over Corey Sanhagen, who I, who, and, and I'm not, I don't think I'm outing you because we have the exact same ranking. Sanhagen, I still have number three because he beat TJ Dillashaw. Those judges were horrendous. He had that win. Same. And I agree with what Jed said that Sanhagen could be the toughest matchup for a lot of people at Bantamweight, including Peter Yan. And Peter Young beat him four rounds to one. I mean, uh, that you know that's that's as clear cut to me as anything so my ranking of him being number one is only further solidified by the fact that he just beat another great bantamweight in Corey Sandhagen. uh and listen we'll get the rematch with sterling and all this will be clarified hopefully by february or march of next year and we can all walk away and saying you know that peter yawn is the best bantamweight in the sport because peter yawn is the best bantamweight in the sport
2: and let's end it on that there we go uh, well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on a, yet another episode of the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. The fun doesn't stop, y'all, because I mean we had one pay-per-view last week. Now it's a new pay-per-view coming this week. Two title fights, Usman Covington, too, as we already said, and then also Rose Namajunas, Zhang Weili, too, as well. Also, all sorts of fun stuff on that card. Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler. You got Frankie Edgar, Marlon Vera, Ally Aquinta, Bobby Green. I mean, there's just—I'm I'm leaving out a bunch here. But there, it is a good card up, to, up and down, and uh, it's going to have a lot of effect. I would imagine on what we talk about next month on this show. In the meantime, keep it locked to MMA fighting, y'all, for your pre-post-fight coverage, everything you've come to expect from this wonderful website. And thank you so much to Jed, to Damon for joining us. That man is Alexander Kaylee. Lee. I am Sean Al We will see you guys next month. I cannot
5: read can't you. I'm gonna read you my <laughs> rankings because this don't is take, the world. Don't, we don't
3: live. take your ball and go home.
5: My rankings are about to be wild.